Welcome to the third uh, part of the uh, podcast, the Aging in Europe from North to South, where we look at how aging is perceived and viewed in uh, different parts of the European Union or in Europe. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by ELF, ELF, European Liberal Forum, and Svenska Bildningsförbundet. This third part will uh, will dive into the uh, question on attitudes on aging, and I would again ask Anna to present us with some statistics on attitudes to aging uh, within Europe. Well, um, in in general, in general, aging is uh, uh, by many in the EU perceived as a threat. Uh, instead of one of our greatest achievements, and uh, that's uh, that's something I would like to open up this discussion with. That we we tend to to look at aging more as a threat than as an achievement or something good, and. Um, Uh, also, the growing number of older people is seen as a burden on the working age population. And uh, these fears tend to neglect the fact that a growing number of older people are in good health nowadays. And uh, they also have valuable skills and experiences. And they are also willing to make a significant contribution to our society. Uh, a contribution which our younger generations could uh, strongly benefit from. And uh, here I just uh, to just to to give a flavor of some statistics, I looked at the World Value Survey conducted by World Health Organization, where they've summarized statistics from 2018, showing that 60% of the respondents in this survey uh, reported that they feel that older people. Uh, or, or it is reported in this survey that that over sixty percent of the the respondents uh, tend to to have negative attitudes, uh, showing a disre- disrespectful uh, attitudes towards older people, and um, and this is this was a survey where. More than 83,000 people in 57 countries worldwide took part in, and uh, and uh, therefore I I find this uh, these results quite interesting, and it's also interesting to see that the lowest levels of respect, uh, if you can say that, were reported in high-income countries, and we can also say that. These neg- negative attitudes towards aging and older people in our society, uh, we have a name for that. It's called ageism and discrimination based on age. And uh, these negative attitudes also tend to, to affect older people's health and well-being in a negative way but also of course and this is where i <laughs> i am very keen on discussing these 
these issues with you, but but I I think that we we have a we have a problem in in our societies in Europe where we we tend to have very stereotypical views of older people and their their lives and their preferences and so forth and and also we we tend to have rather negative views on aging per se okay who would like to start uh, commenting perhaps i can start this time uh it's really essential to define ageism in the classical uh departure model in the society we tend to speak about ageism like about discrimination but ageism is much more than discrimination and just limiting it to discrimination where somehow hiding from ourselves the biggest part of it so ageism is stereotypes prejudice and discrimination uh towards people because of their age it can be positive it can be negative it can be dedicated to the younger and to the older but the basic is age which should be just a number i mean people do not have their best before retirement date but somehow it happens otherwise and what uh, at least austria is addressing on the national level is just this equal treatment act and the reports every 2 years on its implementation which deal just with discrimination so it's something like 200 cases in a year and that's all the program we deal with ageism which can be not only in the labor market it can be in the media it can be in research it can be in healthcare but somehow the focus of the national government is really very limited and it's also really vital not to forget about implicit ageism because sometimes we speak only about othering all the people when we speak they instead of we because we are all aging and unlike sexism or racism we are all going experiencing ages one day if we are lucky enough to live long which i hope but it's also about implicit ages which is not on which is even not revealed when an older person thinks hmm perhaps i'm too old to uh, learn this new technology to apply it for this job uh, to have this training because just of my age and that's the aspect which is really difficult to address but first of all we can see the total ignorance at the national level of the problem i mean the, the age disaggregated data on ageism which we have for the european countries is the european social survey of 2008 12 years has passed and it's still the only data that we can use to in which uh, they were um age disaggregated asked uh do you experience prejudice do you experience lack of respect or bad treatment because of your age and it was quite interesting for austria even in 2008 that uh the first age group that really experienced ages was 64 74 i mean the first age group 55 64 was just the same as before 55 then a uh, next age group 65 74 already reveals ages in all the three waves and then it just uh, rocketing towards 75 plus and uh, when we ask people whom do you consider to be old uh, the median age is 69 so this best before retirement age is still there and should be addressed 
both on the micronational level, but also on the level of organizations, of the level of institutions, and on the individual level, just to get rid of this implicit ageism and both othering and calling yourself the old. Uh, if I may add here a few general comments, because I don't have much to add, because I think Maria is really an expert on ageism, I'm not. But uh, what I wanted to say quickly on, on one uh, remark or one presentation of statistics by Anna, because I also think that there are so two different things. One thing, I think every one of us wants to become old in the sense that every one of us wants a high life expectancy, unless you're this old rock and roll style where you say <laughs> it's good to die young or whatever, but I think this is rather an exception. Uh, but of course, to be old is maybe not such a pleasure, but of course it is as long as you have no health restrictions. But once you have, I think then, of course, but uh, I think this is a big difference. And uh, what I wanted to say also now with this special situation in the in the COVID crisis, because there's also said that there's now somehow a divide between the old and the young. But on the one hand, I, I can also understand the young people. Also for me, in, in middle age, it's relatively easy to stand the COVID restriction because you have the family at home. Okay, you cannot go out with friends now for maybe one month or however it takes, but it's not such a problem as I, I will survive. But for the, I think for young people, it's really difficult when they know they have to be careful because there's the risk that uh, more elderly uh, get infected and die. But for them, it's really hard that you lose one year in the worst case of your young age to meet other people, to meet uh, persons from, 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 from the other sex and, and so on. So I can understand that for them, it's, it's quite difficult. And the final thing I want to say, where it's really bad is, of course, ageism on the, on the labor market. But here I would say there are two components. One is some kind of a rational component, because I think, especially in Austria, but also I guess in many, European countries, you have also this uh, wage seniority. So this really means that often elder persons are much more expensive if you employ them. And this you see also in statistics in Austria that uh, as long as you're employed, uh, you have no risk in old age, or let's say above 50, but once you're fired or you're dismissed, then it's very difficult to come uh, come back and, and and to find a job. So maybe also some, but of course it's true, this is just one component. The other component is this irrational or this stereotype that I think a lot of campaigns have still to be done to inform employers that of course elder people can also be productive or this is this old flying word where you say maybe they're a bit slower, uh, but they know the shorter way to the to the target. I would explicitly avoid saying they about all the people as one group because saying they are less productive, they are, we somehow homogenize which should be heterogenized and praised in this heterogeneity. Uh, and it's common uh, practice in the research when we address all the people like one group. And they are really very diverse. They could be even more diverse than the middle age because of the accumulative advantages and disadvantages which they accumulated. Uh, so perhaps the good way to start is to be really careful with the language we use when addressing even in scientific purposes these target group groups, better to say. That is true. Uh, what, something that I would add is, for instance, uh, um, think of uh, different genders. I mean, how uh, women and men behave during aging, how they approach aging. So we, um, 
as far as we age, we have two uh, uh, big fears, not to be uh, good looking enough, not to be uh, productive enough or uh, effective enough, efficient. So most of the problem, of the first problem is uh, um, easily overcome because after a while you understand, okay, you have to accept you are changing a little your um, aspect and then you accept it and you go on. The second one, efficiency, which is typical of the, uh, um, let's say, developed countries, is the biggest problem because generally uh, women find a way to be efficient within the family anyway. Men uh, have to prove themselves that they are efficient through sports, through whatever, uh, through work. So they try to go on working as much as possible. And when they gain money, at least they feel uh, good enough and always also uh, they can, uh, can be uh, proud of uh, helping uh, the youngers. So all this is part of that probably, uh, let's say, ageism uh, intimately. Okay. Now, uh, I would also say something about physiology because uh, we all uh, talk about aging as something that uh, happens, uh, we don't know exactly what, but what happens that day by day, since you are five year old until you are uh, 105 year old, you are continuously uh, losing some functional properties, okay? I mean, you, you get uh, at your best uh, around 20 years, then you are functionally a little at a, at a lower level uh, for something and you get mature for other things. So real, uh, our real uh, idea of aging is that famous, uh, you said 65, 69, 75, whatever, whatever uh, limit, when uh, you have lost uh, at least uh, a, 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 a big part of your muscles, when you have added some, uh, some fat, is you have uh, uh, dehydrated. The most important thing, you get dehydrated. All these things are typical of aging and have to be uh, uh, faced somehow, also physiologically. And we can uh, address that probably in another uh, section, the one... Uh, concerning, for instance, diet. But it's important because uh, when you have something um, happening physiologically within your body, then the acceptance of that comes to psycholo uh, psychological aging. So um, what could be good to say is... Uh, Aging has to be somehow faced and overcome um, through, we said, formal, informal, and solitary 
activities. I mean, if you know that you are not exactly the same as before, you are not as efficient as before and all the rest, you anyway can face it and probably feel well when you um, get involved in uh, either volunteer association, politics, whatever, that uh, helps, um, helps you be in contact with other people and feel um, useful. Or informal, so you are within friends, uh, with friends, with family, whatever, uh, and so uh, you, you feel more comfortable because your, um, your, your feelings are getting stronger. And the other one is uh, the, uh, the typical solitary activities, which are probably the most common. I mean, w when you get uh, interested, especially in hobbies or in reading, uh, you get, um, you, you are all right. You, you are probably in the vast majority of uh, older people still, this kind of solitary activities um, close yourself in a in, in, in loop in the end, and either you involve the others into your hobby, so you use your hobby to get in touch with the others, or you read just to um, just to exchange your ideas and expand on those with the other people, or you probably uh, confine yourself more and more until you get more and more solitary. And this becomes the, the bad thing of aging. I don't know if I, uh, I explain myself, but um, uh, in, in, a, in a society that is... Uh, uh, pointing to cost-effectiveness, your cost-effectiveness might be uh, being uh, open to the world, open to the others, uh, and even when you uh, are uh, doing something apparently for yourself, uh, providing uh, the others with your experience. This is difficult, but probably when we talked about the um, digitalization, uh, nowadays, these um, self-activities, uh, solitary activities and whatever, uh, could be uh, opened to the other, even through the internet or whatever, so we could even uh, uh, try to um, ameliorate um, aging by bridging digitalization and uh, um, opening to the society. I don't know if I explained myself. Most definitely, yes, you did, I think. Yes. Also in reference to digitalization, I think it's a good fit to mention digitalization within this context so yeah also because when we talk about urban health urban health is something that 
uh, is becoming more and more fashionable because we know that big cities, big towns are, um, let's say, uh, the place of no communicable disease, of chronic diseases. And this is mostly not only because of the environment, but because of the difficulties in exchanging uh, experiences and uh, whatever among people. So whenever these exchanges are more difficult uh, among the elderly people, then it's even worse. So uh, we have to um, find a solution for these uh, um let's say uh, environmental diseases through uh digitalization so once again i don't think it's the uh it's good to uh look at the thing as a compartmentalized one there are difficult different um let's say pictures of the same puzzle and we have to find the joining um, uh, between uh, among them. Thank you. Any further comments on this topic? I could just uh, thank you, everyone. I could just briefly add that uh, I agree uh, with the comments regarding our vocabulary and and uh, the the terminology used when we talk about older people, and that we tend to talk about older people as one group, one heterogeneous group, while it is a group of many groups, and uh, and we need to to uh, make sure that we we don't add to the ageism uh, by talking about this uh, aging phenomenon or the various groups of older people as something that is just exclusively happening to to this particular context or group but uh, as you maria pointed out we are all aging and and we are all part of the aging society and and uh, just to to be mindful of how we talk about aging i think that would really uh, would be a very good start when it comes to to how to tackle ageism and, and negative attitudes towards aging and older people so for the conclusion and recommendations part what would uh, what would you like to bring forward on from this discussion to summarize, I would uh, like to highlight in the in the concluding chapter the, our thoughts about uh, heterogeneity when it comes to aging and the aging population, and also the uh, the importance to to include older people themselves in the in the decisions and decision making, uh, and uh, and to to really be mindful in the way how we communicate both about aging and also towards uh, aging populations and their rights and and so forth. I would uh, add explicit call for collecting data on ageism and its occurrence, its magnitude and its depth. Because uh, when we don't have data, when we don't have service, when we don't have research, we are uh, barely blind towards the phenomenon we as society are experiencing. So uh, without investigation, it's uh, difficult to have evidence-based policies. So 
I would really like if it would help us to uh, bring attention to the problem of just ignorance about what's going on. I don't know how okay. to solve uh, this, uh, let's say, this daily life problem, uh, but probably we have to also address the fact that uh, there are old people who in some special uh, uh, jobs are very efficient at any age. Let's take uh, doctors. Uh, my, um, let's say the, the, my mentor is 85 years, he's still working a lot as a doctor. And he's very efficient, but he's very efficient because he's got uh, much experience and I rely on him for the experience he has uh, collected through time. And I'm not uh, even thinking that he can make more um, uh, errors than I myself can do. But many, many patients uh, generally address him with the question, are you still active? Are you still working? Because of course they look at the uh, calendar. So this is something that probably is relates to pension law. I mean, if you are not able to work efficiently until you are um, at a certain age, then how is it possible that you are working efficiently at your personal uh, age? So this is something that probably through um, uh, education, through advertisement or whatever, can and has to be addressed. Otherwise, this is a sort of ageism of the society, uh, even adding and uh, uh, complicating uh, the whole picture. Uh, if I may, may add here quickly for Austria, for example, in Austria, it was until uh, very recent years, it was really a reason for dismissal when you reach the, the statutory pension age. Uh, and only very recently, it was possible to appeal against it uh, at the court. Uh, but I think this is also, also, I think especially Austria has to be very careful that still we have maybe also other reg regulations which somehow support Achievement. So this was one of these, and I think this was very important that it was possible to appeal against it, and and that this regulation was changed. But maybe there are still a lot of regulations who somehow directly or indirectly still support, so to speak, achievement. I will add about Austria. Uh, it's mostly the practices on the mother level, on the level of companies, uh, which confirm and continue the mandatory retirement age. It's no more the uh, macro level regulation, which was abandoned, but now it's still the meta level, which is not so fast to adjust and here some macro level influences needed just to change the situation. Otherwise, we do not have the general regulation over there, but we have this path dependency and continuation of rather bad for the employment practice. Thank you. Um, this was the third episode of the podcast Aging in Europe from North to South, brought to you by ELF, European Liberal Forum and Svenska Bildningsförbundet. <laughs> <laughs>